Hello, and welcome to She Dynasty. I'm Valerie Moisel, and these are the women who rule. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to She Dynasty. I am very excited to welcome Christy Desai, co-founder and CEO and licensed marriage and family counselor at OK Humans. So for those of you who don't know, OK Humans is a fresh approach to -to face-to-face therapy designed to make getting help accessible and affordable for everyone. And I think this is something that everyone can appreciate. Hi, Christy. Hi, Valerie. Nice to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So um, just a little interesting tidbit. I'm super proud to say that we had one of your partners, Brittany Driscoll from Squeeze on She Dynasty in the past, which is super great. Um, So tell me, how did you guys meet? Well, Brittany and I, um, Instagram really. (laughs) So I had this idea for OK Humans and I wanted to do it in a way that resonated with consumers. And I knew like, what are consumers doing and how are they doing it? And so I was following a lot of brands who did things really well. And one of them was of course, Drybar. And the second that Drybar announced Squeeze, I immediately was like, okay, so who's who's, who's Brittany Driscoll, who is the CEO of Squeeze, formerly of Drybar. And so I was watching what they were doing. I noticed Squeeze had an app and, um, you know, just all these things, even like employee benefits. So I'm like, okay, I want to talk to Brittany. I want to figure out, you know, what she's doing, how she's doing it. And I hope to do something like that for okay humans. Um, so I had Instagrammed her a handful of times we exchanged here and there. And then I got a brand book, um, put together. And when I sent her the brand book, there was a rendering of what okay humans could look like. And I think at that point she was like, okay, this person's serious or, or something caught her attention. And so, you know, she agreed to meet for coffee, which we, you know, set up day and time. She did not show up <laughs> because she was swamped with running squeeze and um, all those sorts of things. But we were going to meet at a coffee shop nearby. So I just walked to squeeze and I was like, Hey, me again, like <laughs> not going away. I have some questions I want to ask you. Um, and so that's how we met. So I met her in the I office. Love squeeze. I love it. And yeah, for, for those of you who are listening, who haven't heard the episode about squeeze, um, awesome concept, um, something much needed and went to actually experience it for myself. And wow, the attention to detail and talking about, you know, talk about taking an industry that has, has felt like there hasn't been a lot of innovation for a long time and kind of flipping it on its head, like super awesome, which is kind of like what I feel like you're doing. Um, obviously, you know, therapy counseling is here to stay, but you know, it just feels like there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the category. So, you know, super excited to talk to you about, okay, humans, cause equally excited about what you're doing. Um, so you just mentioned really quick that one of the partners is also Ali Webb from dry bar. Is that correct? Yeah. So ironically, uh, when I went to meet Brittany for coffee and then I, went to squeeze, I left squeeze and I was a few blocks away and I saw Allie Webb on the street. So <laughs> I immediately stopped her and I was like, oh my gosh, hi. Um, you know, of course nervous, but didn't want to bother her, but also felt really compelled to tell her like, I have this idea, like I just talked to Brittany, you know, so we chatted on the street for like 10, 15 minutes. 
And, um, and then I Instagrammed her <laughs> and, and then I actually worked at the dry bar. Um, I was a hairstylist for a, for a minute there. And so I loved the brand ever since then. And I wanted to own a dry bar. Um, so I had her old email, I emailed her right away. And then, um, again, like took it from there, but yeah, Allie is a partner. She, um, definitely, you know, she was because she did dry bar, I could think about therapy in a way that was unique and innovative. Right. Well, she kind of set the gold standard for taking again, something that we all know and have been doing for years and years and years and kind of doing it in a different way. And I'm sure everyone can also relate, you know, what a different experience going to dry bar is and how innovative that was. And just the, how the details made all the difference and just like something as simple as blow drying your hair. Exactly. Very cool. So super excited to hear about how, um, you know, all these principles are being carried through to what you're doing. So, you know, tell us before we get into, you know, your journey of how you got here, I want to learn a little bit more about, okay, humans, kind of what your mission statement is and, and mostly what, you know, what differentiates you from, you know, other options that are out there. Yeah. So, okay. Humans is really all about just trying to make it easier for people to get to therapy. And we are big believers that if you can change one person at a time, if one person can be impacted, that it has a ripple effect. And that eventually if enough people took care of their emotional wellness, um, that they could continue to help one another and we, just humanity in general would be much better. So it sounds really grandiose and I get uncomfortable around grandiose things, but I, you know, I am really a firm believer of the impact that therapy has and that it can be, it can start with one person and it can make a difference in a, in a home and in a community and, you know, much broader. So that's, that's a little bit about like our mission and who we are. It's just to, just to make going to therapy feel okay in every way. So, you know, for, for reasons that make sense, it can be intimidating to start therapy. There's some stigma around therapy. And when you, when, I mean, I, I went to therapy and that's why I became a therapist because I had my own life-changing experience. And when that happened, it was like, wow, like how many more people could, could be helped by this and not even realize it or know it. And so for those reasons, we wanted to, to see how we could contribute to normalizing it and demystifying it and destigmatizing it. So more and more people could benefit. Right. And my real job is um, I'm in advertising marketing and when I first heard the name, okay, humans, like, you know, when you just hear something, you're like, yes, like I got it immediately. I was like, this is going to be huge. I don't know. There's something for me about like a good name. Like obviously you have to execute the concept well, but when I heard the name, I like got chills, like kudos to you guys for coming up with like the perfect, most simple, like awesome, easy to understand feels fresh, awesome name. So really love it. Thank you. I'm, I'm, it's so funny. Different people think different things around the name, which I, which I love because it's like in therapy, everything is like, what does it mean to you? And you know, that sort of thing. So different people take it in different ways, but it really was, it came um, out of a conversation of just, you know, a response to toxic positivity, which is, you know, just sort of like, it's okay if it's not okay. And it's okay. You know, it's okay to be human and all, you know, all those great things. So I'm glad that you like it. I do. And if anyone doesn't, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's going to be great. It's going to be huge. All right. So tell me what, what kinds of things is okay. Human doing to disrupt the category a bit. 
we're big believers, again, like I've said, of like therapy and the, and the impact that it can have. And so in the therapy suite, it's, it's therapy like one would know, like the client gets to talk about the things that are important to them. The therapist is listening and building rapport and, um, you know, helping make connections and new insights. And so that that's the same and familiar uh, because we know that that works and that's impactful. But to get to therapy is often a hassle. People don't know where to start and it's such a pain in the butt and it can be expensive and all those sorts of things. So we're different in that we have a booking app. So you can see a therapist video bio and you can see their real-time schedule availability, like right there to know if if you can book with them and if it works with your schedule and if the therapist is a potential match for you. Um, So we made it easier that way. We are visible. So we're next to Pisana and Susie Cakes in Brentwood. And we have a little storefront, which is just an invitation for people who are, you know, into wellness or curious about therapy um, to maybe get some things to supplement their wellness journey. But it's unique because that isn't typically done with therapy, but that was part of our reason to help normalize it and make it inviting and to, to really kind of take the some of the pressure off, so to speak, you know, it's kind of, this is a a thing that you don't have to be embarrassed about or ashamed of, and it can be visible and seen. And, um, so that's another thing that's different. Is it done through video in person or both? In it's, it's whatever the client wants. So in person or through video. So most of our people, um, are wanting to do in person. I think everyone's a little tired of video potentially, but at the same time, um, what's nice is like, we all, we also know that therapy can, good things can happen through telehealth. And so, um, we, some are doing a hybrid. And so we kind of just meet the client wherever they're at, what they need and do that. I love it. Okay. All right. So let's, we're going to get back to, okay, humans. And I have a lot of questions about therapy because you brought up, you know, some of the barriers and the stigmas and things like that. So I do, I want to talk about that, but I want to talk a little bit about your journey of how to get here just because you know, she dynasty is so much about inspiring, um, young entrepreneurs, um, and people on their career paths to be bold and take risks and, you know, follow their dreams, which it sounds like you have. And so, um, I think you're going to be a huge inspiration to so many people listening. So tell us a little bit about, um, your childhood where you grew up and kind of what excited you as a kid, what kind of student were you? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in Kansas. I was the fourth out of five and, um, it was a town of like 8,000. So everyone knew kind of, I was at Davidson and, you know, like my older siblings and all of that stuff. So that, that, that had some perks and some minuses there. Sometimes you were sort of attached to the negative things your, your siblings did and maybe kind of, those projections were put on you and like, Oh no, this is your reputation. And other times it was, everyone kind of knew who you were and your teachers knew who you were. And so sometimes people were helpful and nice because they liked your older sister or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, there's something unique about growing up in a small town because again, like everyone knows you, but at the same time, you can never, you can never get away from everything they know. Um, So when I was 19, I moved to New York city and it was such a stark contrast because I was used to, you know, going to the gas station or to Walmart and seeing almost everyone that I knew. And then when I was in New York City, I was so anonymous and I would walk down the street and I would swear I could hear someone call my name, but I'd be like, there's no way someone's calling my name. It was just like a reflex from growing up of just being known. Um, 
but yeah, I was, you know, I liked school for the most part. I liked my teachers and I played sports and that was always a big sort of saving grace. I, you know, it was a, a great outlet. It was great to learn how to be on a team and, you know, just sort of some of that competitive drive and, um, and also, you know, kind of keep you out of trouble a little bit. Right. Uh, there's some responsibility and obligation there. That was a good direction. And what did you think you wanted to be when you were a kid, when you grew up? You know, growing up in that small town, there there wasn't a lot of exposure to things. So I always thought I'd be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My aunt was a teacher. My uncles were teachers. Like everyone was a teacher. And so I I actually got with a girlfriend um, from high school just, you know, last year or so. And I, I asked her, like, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because, you know, everyone I knew, even everyone we went to school with, a lot of them became teachers. And she said, a teacher, she's like, that's all I knew of. And I thought, well, maybe that I knew that because like my family, you know, my, like I said, my mom was a teacher, but it was, really was just this small town without a lot of like career opportunities or um, options. And we didn't necessarily dream that big because we didn't know what you could dream about. Like, you right. know, I love that. Uh, yeah. So I did. I always thought I would be a teacher, which in a sense you are right. I mean, you're, you're kind of teaching people how to deal with their issues and their emotions and how to handle them. So I think it's kind of come full circle. Yeah. So you mentioned that you moved to New York. Was that, um, where'd you go to school, college? Tell us a little bit about that time. Yeah. My freshman year, I went to Kansas state university. So I I grew up in a small town. It was, I was like, okay, this is too small. I, I, I had a hunger and I wanted some more opportunity. And so in high school, I moved um, away from the small town to Kansas City. And I went, uh, I graduated from a big high school in Kansas City, my senior year of high school. And then I went to K-State University my freshman year. And it felt like going back to that small town when, the, you know, when campus was in session, there's, you know, obviously 30,000 kids or so. And so that was a fun atmosphere and, and felt a little different, but we were in this really small town with like, you know, my apartment was across the street from a cow pasture that was just, you know, you could smell the the cow poop. And I just, I remember calling my mom one morning and I'm like, if I have to smell this one day longer, I'm like, I just, I'm not going to do this. And so my older sister was lived in New York city and I, I went there for my senior trip of high school. And so I had seen New York. I knew how exciting and vibrant it was. And it blew my mind again, sort of just not having, um, much to compare to. And so I wanted to get back to New York and that I made it my mission. And, um, finally my sister relented and helped me. <laughs> um, so I was like looking into like, you know, to nanny, you know, to nanny in Connecticut or just sort of anything to sort of get there and get closer. Um, but my sister, she had the boss of the company that she worked at was looking for a summer nanny. So she got me a gig to nanny for the summer. So I moved to New York for the summer. I thought I would go back to K-State. But once I got to New York, I wasn't going to, I was like, yeah, I can't, I just, so I stayed in New York and because I didn't go back to Kansas State, um, which would have been for my sophomore year, I, I found a cosmetology school and I went to cosmetology school because it was too late to to go to college. I love it. Okay. See, I love, I, I love to hear all these kind of twists and turns of people's kind of career paths where they get to, you know, where they, they're finally meant to be. And I think, you know, for those listening, um, you know, the important lesson is it doesn't have to be a linear path, right? Because it sounds like, you know, I don't know if everyone can kind of see it, but I can see how all the things you're telling me are leading to leading you to where you're going right now. Right. Um, I bet you when you um, met with Allie Webb and told her that you had actually worked at a dry bar, that probably resonated really well with her. Right. So there was kind of this like serendipitous moment there that kind of came together. 
Totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree more when you're on that path. It feels, you know, discombobulating. You don't know what, you know, where it's all going. And so it can, you know, it can feel a little uh, herky jerky and kind of like what's happening. Like, you know, what's yeah. even like a, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't I know what I want to do or why, you know, why isn't it linear? It just, it seems like, you, you know, you sort of look and compare and it feels, you know, my friends, you know, we're finishing up college and getting jobs and, you know, my, my, journey was much different. Right. So I understand you had a snag when you were about to graduate um, from college that taught you an important life lesson. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, so stayed in New York city. I went to Hunter college and I was, when I first matriculated, I was in this major that was kind of within the English, um, public relations type of major. And then I had a baby and I took some time off. And when I went back to finally graduate, I I ended up getting an internship at ABC's The View, which I was super excited about. And I just needed two more credits to graduate. And so I was going to use these, uh, use that internship for those credits. And the the head of the department who had to sign off on everything wouldn't, wouldn't sign off on it and said that, that that's not what my major is. And um, so I had to sort of find old documentation to prove that when I matriculated, that this fell in line with what the major was then. And I had to go to anyone and everyone who would listen. And I got a lot of no's. And I just kind of felt like I really wanted that internship because I thought it was such, again, being from Kansas, it was such a unique opportunity. So I really had to like, you know, raise a ruckus and not take no for an answer and advocate for myself. And I think that was one of the first times that I didn't just sort of, eh, it is what it is and, and give in. And I made sure to get that, you know, get approved so I could get those last two credits. Yeah. And listen, I can't echo how important that is in business. What a great skill. So many times, especially as an entrepreneur, you hear no, 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 no. And you just have to have conviction and you have to make a good case and you have to be passionate. And, you know, I think more often than not, people can turn things, not always exactly how they want, but I think that there's a very high chance to make things go your way. If you're just willing to put in the time and effort and not get discouraged too soon. So I love that lesson. You also mentioned in your pre-interview that you, um, you know, you feel like a cat that's had nine lives because you've had so many different careers. So tell us about a few of those and kind of why, why you felt that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I got married young, I had kids young and I, that certainly sort of derailed me kind of on this typical, you know, uh, career path where you just kind of climb the ladder and get promotion after promotion. And so I was, had to get creative in so many ways, which was how do I strike a balance or how do I do something that's meaningful for me, um, but still allows me to feel like I'm there for my kids. And so I would go back to hair and and do hair when, when that was kind of a, okay, I need a little bit of me time or something for me. And one thing I did was when, you know, when I had two young kids, I started doing bridal hair, which was a really, I I had worked in hair, but I hadn't necessarily done weddings. Um, But I found like a local convention that was just for brides. And I like got a booth and I I set up a chair and I went and did hair like at the convention and gave out my card and booked a bunch of weddings, which I had actually never even done bridal hair. I didn't tell anybody that, (laughs) but, um, and it was so funny. I mean, there's a, there's a curling iron that doesn't have a clamp, which um, curling irons have changed so much now, but it didn't have a clamp and we didn't really have to learn to use it in school. And I never, I never used it in the salon, but it was helpful for doing updos. And so 
I, you know, I set up at this convention and I don't even know how to use that curling iron. But after that day, I knew how to use that curling iron because I was doing so many people's hair. And it was just, I've always kind of um, just, you know, kind of jumped in sometimes to to my dismay, but. Fake it till you make it like so many, (laughs) so many of the rest of us uh, love that, love that. So I also understand that the internship that you had turned into an actual job. Yes, I stayed on at The View. I was an assistant talent coordinator, um, which was a re- which is a really, really great experience. They it, w- it was nice because I, I had a two year old at the time and I got to work on you know certain days and work when we were live and um, do different stuff behind the scenes. And it was a really good balance of you know, kind of a, a nice, doable schedule. Um, but what I loved about being at The View was just they were in the middle of, you know, everything that was happening in the world and talking about it. And so I loved being there and getting to, to experience that and, and help in different ways and just and to take it all in and to learn. Um, so, yeah, it was a good thing I fought for that internship because I was able to stay on and um, work at The View and had a lot of cool, great experiences. I love that. And tell us about um, the moment where you were dissuaded from presenting something that you were passionate about what happened there. Cause again, I love this story and like all of your little stories are just such great life lessons that everyone needs to hear. Cause they just sum it up so perfectly. Yeah. So uh, like being, you know, the new kid on the block or whatever, I think I was pr- pretty kind of like eager. And um, I was before I, I didn't know, I didn't really want to work in TV. I actually just loved the view. <laughs> and so I was super passionate about, and at, like being a stay at home mom, I would watch that. And I was just, I loved the idea of having different opinions um, and strong women share these opinions and talk about important things. And so I didn't, like I said, I don't want to work on TV, but I wanted to work on the view. And so I was uber passionate about what they were doing. And so in my opinion, one thing that I noticed, they were probably, I don't know, like I don't maybe, maybe there were 10 years in, or maybe, maybe not quite 10 years in, but initially when it started, it was, you know, it was Barbara Walters and then nobody else was that recognizable. And so they felt really uh, relatable because they were kind of everyday people. But as the show went on, everyone got like a little more notoriety and popular. And I thought they were missing sort of that element of like the people, like the moms like me watching at home. And so I thought that they should go to different cities and do, um, and kind of get to know this, get to know the city and, you know, kind of connect with the audience away in an audience in a way that the audience felt represented and a part of that table. And um, so I, I was, you know, had this idea and I really wanted to tell it, but I didn't, I figured if I told it, I would, you know, I'd miss the mark and they wouldn't really see like my vision. So I booked, booked a last minute ticket to Kansas. I got my brother-in-law, which is, <laughs> so kind of him to videotape me and I sort of went around and like made up this segment with like random people on the street and interviewed them and had them tell me about their city and like what they thought of the ladies and what they thought of this hot topic and um and and I bring it back to New York City and I had the editor at the view which who was a friend of mine put it all together and I was you know I felt proud of myself for like booking that ticket and going you know and sort of pretending I had people sign you know waivers and sort of just kind of did it you know, the way, way it should be done and um, just took all that upon myself. And then when he gave me back the tape after he edited it and put it together, he said, you know, kindly, he just wanted to like set my, you know, help me level set my expectations. But he said, you know, just so you know, I do things like this too. And they never go for my ideas and, you know, they're not going to go for it, but Hey, you know, good luck sort of thing. And I was, you know, for me, it was like an, 
I felt embarrassed. I put myself out there kind of really sort of like thinking this through and going after it. And so I just, I imagine I'd already even told the executive producer, Bill Getty, who I was like a huge fan of. He was the nicest guy. Um, I already told him, Hey Bill, like I have an idea. I'm going to show it to you. You know, I like, I set myself up because I always try to say what I'm going to do that way. I feel accountable to it. And so, so I, you know, so I was doing all those things. And then when he told me that, like, I just was like, Oh God, this is so embarrassing. And I don't want to give it to Bill Getty. I'm, you know, I'm like the new girl on the block. I'm an intern essentially. So it's not like, you know, it wasn't like I was a producer and I was supposed to be coming up with ideas. Um, so anyways, I didn't do anything with it. I think I destroyed it. <laughs> and, um, but then like a couple months later, I'm like walking through the office and they're having a production meeting and I hear a producer pitch essentially an idea just kind of like mine. And um, they ended up doing it that next season. Of course, it was like a little different and stuff. But I remember being like, you were close. You were like, you were on the right track. That was a good idea. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, what I what I took away from that when I read it, and I think this ties again beautifully into what you do is the power of people's words. And, you know, now that um, I'm at a different place in my career and I have so many younger people working for me you know, I realize what I say matters. Right. And so you had someone, you know, who basically in a second said a couple words, shook your confidence. Right. And because mm-hmm. of it took like totally derailed you. Right. Where if, if he didn't say that to you, it might've been a very different outcome. But again, I think what the lesson is, is so much about like, we have to be careful what we say to people. And just because, you know, I don't believe in someone's idea, um, you know, I will always find a way to give feedback on how I think I can make it better, but I'll never say this is, this is not good, or this is you're wasting your time just because it's, you know, you have a a sense of responsibility to people because people's words make an impact on you. Right. No, yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, you know, really interesting. And I loved that also, again, you have so many great um, teaching moments, All right. So okay. Humans is not your first business. So uh, tell us about Kidville. You are a serial entrepreneur like me. I like it. Well, again, I I don't even know if I identify with the word entrepreneur. And as soon as you said, tell me about Kidville, it was kind of like the view. Like I, I love the view. So I wanted to work there. I went to Kidville. Like when we lived in New York city, I took my daughter there and it was this really fun place. I would go from like my lunch on the view and pick her up and, and be like, Whoa, she's having more fun than I'm having. And I'm at a fun place, you know? And so, um, you know, she made a lot of her first friends. I made some of my first mom friends there. And so it was just this really nice community hub that was like this, you know, at this time in my life, this, this great resource. And so when we moved to LA and I had my second kid and I, I couldn't find a place like that. And I kept thinking like, Oh my gosh, New York, LA, like, you know, so many similarities, lots of kids. Like, I'm surprised. I'm surprised this, this isn't here. And I didn't want to do it. I just kept thinking somebody should do it. Um, and I was actually interested in trying to like to, to franchise a dry bar. Um, but when the dry bar didn't franchise and they went, they initially just sort of went private equity and, um, did some corporate locations. I was like, okay, that's not an option. And I was like, I keep saying someone should open this mommy and me concept. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Okay. So I did. So it's, it was literally, it was also in Brentwood. It's a couple shops down. Um, I exited that business and went back and got my master's to become a clinic, you know, to do marriage and family therapy. Um, but up until the pandemic, it was still there. And it was still this like hub in the community for people to have birthday parties and to, you know, take their kids and have fun and meet friends, just like I did in New York City, like all those years ago. So it right. was 
an awesome experience and I, you know, loved every minute of it, but it was once it was sort of up and going and operational and like was, you know, kind of doing its own thing. I noticed that I, you know, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I had been in my own therapy at that point. I was really kind of hungry to do more and help people in those same way. And, uh, and so that's when I went back to grad school, but also great skills for where you are today. I'm sure there was so many learnings there that you carried forward. Oh yeah. Even just the, I mean, like anything you do it once and it's always so scary. You do it the next time and it's less scary because you have so much more familiarity and it's, you kind of know a little more what to expect and not that they're completely, completely the same in one and one, but it's, I think even, you know, for Brittany, when we were talking and it was sort of um, becoming partners, it was like, okay, well, she, you know, she knows what it's like to hire a team and to, you know, to, to execute a lease and, you know, all those sorts of things. It helped in so many ways. Right. So just like thinking about like your journey and how I would describe you. And I, I, I wonder if you think of yourself like this, just because it's very effortless for you, but you, you are incredible. You come across as like incredibly brave. Like you'll just take on any new challenge and you'll just jump in. And I don't know, I just love this about you. So not a lot of people have that. And I think, you know, I always say, I always feel like so much of success has to do with, um, follow through just being able to, everybody has great ideas. You know, everyone's like, I have this great idea. I have this great idea. I want to do this, but being able to take that next step and actually go do it is like, it's like a whole nother level, you know, it's a whole nother level. And so again, I hope people are listening who have that great idea, you know, can follow in your footsteps and really think about, okay, she could, if she could do it, I could do it. And look, you, you did a lot of things that didn't pan out to be where you are today, but all very important stepping stones to where you are today. Yeah, no, that is actually really kind that you say that because I've always sort of thought of, and I didn't frame it as brave, right? I always framed it as this, like, well, maybe I'm like, impulsive, or maybe I don't think things through and other people don't do these things because they know it's not worthwhile or they know it's not going to work. Or, you know, I always kind of, um, I mean, it's something I've worked on in therapy, right. Where I, I now start to frame it more as in brave and it's okay to take risk and yeah. it's okay. It doesn't work. But, it, but for in the beginning when, you know, I, it was always just this like, Oh my gosh, like what, why do I do this to myself? Yeah. Look, I, I, I actually think that being brave is kind of synonymous with not thinking things through too much, you know, and I love what I love about, um, doing this and interviewing so many incredibly smart women is I let, I start to see patterns. Right. And so anytime that I see that there is a woman who I feel is brave, who's like just constantly just taking these risks and, you know, trying new things and just going for it, they tend to say that they feel like they're impulsive. So to me, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, somebody might look at it where if you're very methodical and you think things through and you think of everything that could go wrong, like sometimes you'll talk yourself out of things. Right. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I love that quality. It was, I didn't think about it. It was like, I felt I was in love. He was in love. We got right. married. Oh, but I was like, Oh, if I stopped and thought about that, like if I knew more, like I was really young when I got married, but it's like, it, 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 I had to think if we, yeah, who would do anything if we really thought about it all. Right. Awesome. All right. So we're going to go back to okay humans. Cause I have so many questions. So tell me, um, when did you first come up with the idea that you wanted to do a concept like, okay, humans, like what was that spark? You know, I, it was, it was a culmination of like a lot of different questions, small events that I couldn't even really like put my finger on, but eventually it started taking form. And, you know, one day it was as simple as like a professor and my, you know, my last year of 
my grad program that said like, you know, really start to think about who you want to work with. And, and when I thought about that, I was like, well, I, I didn't even know I needed therapy. I, I kind of went on a, on a whim. My girlfriend mentioned it in passing. I was running a business. I was stressed. So I thought, oh, this, this will be a good thing. And so I, you know, that was like seven years ago. So I, I was like, well, who are all the people who could benefit from therapy who are just like resilient and get through and don't even know like how, um, maybe how strong they are and that, you know, that there's tools and things and help around the corner that could even make their life better. And so that was kind of one question. And and then I kind of was thinking about like, I went to, I left one session in particular and I was driving down Santa Monica Boulevard because my therapist office is by Century City. And I was like, my mind was blown and I'm just like, oh my gosh, all like, all the things I just learned in that session and like who knew like my, my life's answers were tucked away in this like, you know, corporate building on off Santa Monica Boulevard, right next to Century City that I've gone to a million times. And I'm like, how many people again, like don't, don't even know where, like who would have known that there's a therapist office there and that, you know, someone's life could be changed. And so it was one of those things where I'm like, why aren't they visible? Like, why, like, why do we keep it hidden? And I could, you know, I could see a physical therapy, like sign, you know, when driving down the road, but you could see signs for Botox, but like, you don't see signs for therapy. Yeah. Um, No, I love, I love that. I love that your, you know, your goal is to kind of make it a more forward facing, um, profession that so many people need. And obviously it's a, you know, a good time to be, in the mental health industry, it's very topical. You're helping a lot of people. Um, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about stigma that comes around it. It's nice to see that people are starting to have more open and honest conversations about it. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that don't believe in therapy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the reason for that is there's a lot of barriers, right? There's cost. People don't understand how it works with insurance, Um, So I'd love to hear, you know, kind of how that all works with your, with your brand. Yeah. So, you know, cost is a deterrent and that's certainly, you know, one thing that can keep people away. But I, I, when you kind of talk to somebody about all the ways they're spending their money, right? Like, it's like, well, how many drinks did you buy at the bar that week? You know, it's like, you can, you can usually find um, a way to afford it if you can find some affordable options. So that was one thing that we were super passionate about. We wanted to be a more affordable option. So your session can be as low as 124 per week, which, you know, private practice is often 250 or more. So it's a more affordable option. And then if you can't afford OK Humans, we have a list of places um, that, you know, once we met with you and you said, hey, like I need more affordable option, we can give you a, a list tailored to you that, again, helps you. Um, there are places that can meet you where your income levels at and make it a more affordable. So I always encourage people like if, if, cost is the deterrent. There's somewhere for you to get therapy and like ask around and find, you know, just find different ways. Cause, cause you can get therapy. Um, but that was something we were passionate about. Okay. Humans to make sure that we made it a, a more for- affordable. And it's about, you know, it's about also, you know, prioritizing for yourself. You know, people are prioritizing, they're spending a couple hundred bucks a month on Equinox on soul cycle. And, you know, this is something that is equally important. Obviously your physical, you know, health is, is important, but, you know, sometimes switching it up and making sure you're taking care of your insides is, it's gotta be there. It's gotta be there. And I think it's one of those things that until you like try it and do it and understand the benefits of it, you know, I know that I've had tons of therapy in my life and it's, you know, always been a game changer and I'll kind of, you know, go in and out of, 
you know, I need some touch-ups right now. I'm feeling, you know, low or then there's times where I feel really strong and I don't need it. And I think it's okay, you know, to thousand percent. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, I'm going to therapy. This is who I am for the rest of my life. Like sometimes I'll go in and I'll go for a couple months and I'm like, okay, I got this. And then, you know, in and out. Yeah. Ideally, I mean, that's how it's used, right? You, you did, you did it where you got enough of a base and then it can be this like thing that you touch, you know, you, you do your tune-ups and you, you know, it's a resource and it's there and it helps get you through stuff when you want, or when you feel like you need a little more space to, to, you know, think about what's happening in your life, then it's, it's always there. Does okay. Humans, is it only individual? Do you do any group or is it just for single people? We don't do group therapy, but we do do couples. And so sometimes that by couple, that could be a teenage uh, teenager with a parent. It could be, it could be the parents and the teenager, um, but more, more family or, or um, partner related. Got it. And for those who are listening, who may, um, you know, maybe therapy is not right for them, but they have somebody in their lives that they know desperately needs um, therapy. Like, what are, what are some words that you can give them to help encourage someone to, to go? Cause I know, you know, this is something I'm dealing with right now. There's a couple of people in my life that, I mean, not that I'm perfect, but I, I think could really use therapy. And I always struggle with how to, to get them there or make them understand the benefits. Any, any words of advice there? Yeah. I mean, such a good question because it, it's tough to see the people that we love like struggle and, and maybe struggle unnecessarily. Um, and at the same time, like you can bring a horse to the, to, to the well, but you can't make him drink sort of thing. And so, I mean, just, just kind of a, I mean, you could share a little bit of your personal story, but that some, sometimes people can't always take that in and, and sort of like how it helped you or benefited you, but really just stay staying curious about them, like letting them know, Hey, I'm here to talk if you need. And then when they are having the conversations be, you know, kind of, sort of let them know it's like, I, I, I love you and I want to hear you, but I really think a professional could help you more, <laughs> you know? Um, but it, it's, it's really hard, but it, it's a slow process. And I think just sort of um, not shaming them, not shutting them down, you know, just keeping that door open, that conversation open of sort of a, a caring, non-judgmental. Um, yeah. Interesting. I, I remember before um, years ago, before I started therapy, I always thought like, again, in my mind, it was like, Oh, I'm going to go see this person. And they're just going to like, tell me what to do, you know? And I was super surprised to hear that that wasn't the case at all. It's actually not how it works. Um, it's all about kind of helping you find your path and helping you kind of find the answers based on, you know, whatever's happened to you in your past. And, you know, I, again, I think so much of this is about educating people um, that therapy is not always what you think it is. Right. And so mm -hmm. Um, you know, just something really important for, for people to hear and definitely something they should try if they haven't. It does require a bit of faith, so to speak. I don't know what else to call it, but, but you, you are in the dark, right. And you, you don't know where it's going necessarily. And it, you do just sort of have to trust. And so it's like, if you try it once and you felt a little better, like that, maybe that's all you need to know to come in the next time. Right. Like you don't have to know if it's going to change your life. You don't have to know. You don't even have to know, like if you like the therapist or if this is like the therapist you want to work with for, you know, long-term, it's just like, kind of just make it bite-sized. Like, okay, I did this scary thing and I, it was uncomfortable and I didn't like it, but I felt better after I did it. And then just, you know, just try it again, you know, one session at a time, like bite-sized and just, you know, if you feel a little better, like hang on to that. That might be all you need to know for that moment. And tell us, are there certain specialties that OK Humans has, like certain areas of 
specialty? Yeah. Well, and we work with, you know, people from various backgrounds and dealing with different things. A lot of, um, it really, it's just kind of, it's like the human experience, right? It's life. So whether someone's transitioning from high school to college or um, trying to navigate relationships with parents or if they, or their job or their colleagues or, um, you know, lost loved one, just kind of all these things that, that we're good at, you know, kind of surviving, but not necessarily making sense of or making meaning out of that then in turn help us and empower us and kind of help us feel a little more in charge of the life we want. Um, So it's, you know, it's just, it's kind of anything that brings somebody in. If someone needed a higher level of care, if they were maybe actively using substances and that was the primary thing that needed to be treated, we would help get them to a a different place. Got it. So you will assess if, if it needs something kind of higher level. Yes. Yeah. Got it. And where, where is okay humans or who is it available to right now? So we see 13 year olds on up and it's available to, you know, anyone who lives in the state of California. Um, you can come in person if you're in Los Angeles and familiar with the Brentwood area. We're next to Susie Cakes and Pisana. Or um, if you live in California and you just, you know, have been looking for a therapist and you like, okay, humans, we can meet with you virtually. Got it. So is the goal to eventually make this into a national brand? That's the goal. Yeah, this is our first location. So we want to prove the concept, make sure that kind of like tweaking the things that we need to tweak and, um, you know, getting enough people in the door and letting them experience it and know that our therapists are amazing. And that you know, therapy is something to invest in for yourself and um, an amazing resource. And then, you know, if we if we're able to do that, then we are looking to grow this nationally. Right. And one kind of other, just very specific question, just uh, based on, you know, studies that have been out and patterns and data, you know, obviously we're going through a crazy pandemic. So I'm sure there's lots of people that are feeling, you know, secluded and um, sad and more, more than ever. I mean, have you guys seen kind of an increase in people just coming to you because they're dealing with the pandemic blues? Is that, is that a thing? It, it, it certainly is a thing. I mean, I, it just, as it goes on that, you know, it's, you know, sometimes people can do things when there's a dead, you know, when you can see the finish line, you know, you can sometimes hold on and get through, but that finish line keeps moving and it keeps changing. And, um, it's hard to sort of muster all that, all the, that you had to get through it. Um, so that resiliency starts to, to deplete and yeah, people are definitely feeling disconnected and, um, you know, a little, tired of just getting through. Yeah. It's interesting. I find myself, um, you know, at first I was so disappointed that I couldn't be around people all the time. And now it's been so long. I feel like I now have developed a phobia about being around people, you know, going out is like, I have to like, you know, kind of get the, the courage to, to kind of get there and, and, uh, find my way again. So it's almost like a reverse problem. It's kind of interesting. No, yeah, that's not uncommon. It, it is like it's, you know, learning to ride a bike sort of, right? Like when, you, when you're riding your bike, you're fine and you take a break. It will come back to you, but you Again. feel a little, a little more wobbly. Awesome. All right. Well, I think you've answered all of my questions about OK Human and, um, you know, your journey and kind of how you got here. So what I have next for you is what we call our rapid fire questions. So just quick answers from you. So first question is, and I love this one for you specifically, um, if you could completely switch careers, do something totally, totally different, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I actually have no idea. 
Um, I don't know because I, I mean, I really do love what I'm doing and I honestly don't have a lot of other skills. <laughs> it's not like I could, you know, um, definitely something along the lines of what I'm doing, maybe just a different iteration, but, okay. um, and if you, if there was a skill you wish you had, what would it be for me? It's, it's, I wish I could sing. I cannot sing to save my life. And I think that would be really fun, but, um, you know, just like learning languages, I would love to sort of know the, the world in that way. Okay. What's your biggest strength? Um, maybe being brave. <laughs> yes. Love that. And what is your biggest weakness? Self-doubt. Yeah. Insecurity. So I in, think so interesting, interesting how, um, that you, those two answers came back to back. So yeah. you can't be brave unless you're, um, you have doubt. And so I think that's a really interesting moment. Cause I hear that often. Um, cause if you were, if you weren't scared, there'd be no bravery, right. So mm-hmm. about that, it's really interesting. If you were to give your younger self, you know, one big pointer, what would it be? I think it would be just keep going. Like, it's okay. That doesn't make sense. It's okay that it hurts. It's okay that it's unfair. Like just keep going. Like you are not a victim of your circumstance. Okay. And business-wise, what keeps you up at night? You know, I really, I really want things to work well for my team. I want them to know that we support them, that we care. I want to make sure that that's constantly being communicated. And so I think the thing that keeps me up is, am, are we doing that? Are they, do they feel supported and cared about and know how valued they are and how important they are? And, and I feel like that can be hard to find really genuine, authentic ways to, to communicate that frequently, because I think it requires frequent communication. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't always know how to do that or know if I'm doing it well. Okay. And my final question is how do you define success? Oh man, certainly an internal definition. I I think this was a lesson I learned from Kidville, um, which was like, is it successful if it makes a lot of money? Is it successful if, you know, if it's busy and if people go there and was it worth my time if it quote unquote, it was successful. And I learned that it was successful on so many levels because it, it was a process and a journey and so many things that I learned and, and grew from. And so for me, success is certainly just this, am I taking advantage of, um, opportunities that are given to me? Do I go after things that scare me? And at the end of the day, do I, or not even the end of the day, it's, I, I try not to think about too much um, or too frequently, but kind of like, you know, broader scope of like 10 years ago, when I think of where I was 10 years ago and where I am now, like I feel successful because I challenged myself and, um, and just kept, kept going, kept going forward. Awesome. Well, Chrissy, I think you have answered all of my questions. Um, I really appreciate your time today. And again, I think there's a lot of people who are going to listen and we're going to be very inspired uh, by your story. And I'm also super excited about people learning about your awesome company. I'm super excited to see where you go with this and a huge, huge fan of what you're doing. And, um, you know, excited to refer lots of people, try it myself and um, just kudos to you for what you've done so far. Awesome. Thanks for having me. We can't wait to have you in OK Humans. I love it. All right. Well, I think that's it, you guys. So thank you. And um, you'll hear us next time. Thank you again. 